0: Gold Star Promotions is proud to present Floyd Money Mayweather The man himself is coming to the UK For his UK tour February and March 2020. For all info and tickets, okay. Big
1: boys get moving fast, you get a lot of knockouts. Ultimate Boxer heavyweight. He's just going to be swinging bombs from the
2: ceiling. He's
3: swinging around of all hell. This
4: is
2: Ultimate Boxer. Faria back on Behind the Gloves with another interview. I'm definitely not the hot lady. Philip <laughs> Hergovic, how are you mate?
5: Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little bit disappointed.
2: Disappointed that it's me and not Michelle. (laughs) Just joking. Everything good, todo bien. First time in Saudi Arabia and it's a huge event. What surprised you so far here in Saudi? Can you repeat? What surprised you in Saudi Arabia so far?
5: I, it's really nice country. People are really generous and kind, and I'm surprised how we are welcomed and how we are treated here. So it's really nice. When this event was first announced, what was your first thoughts? What did you think about
2: it coming over here? Were you skeptical? Like, what did you think?
5: Well, yeah, I think generally in the in the world, little bit ba- bad. World presenting a yeah, yeah, yeah. little bit bad uh, image of this uh, this uh, territories because of the terrorists and all these things, but I think it's just a bad image. It's it's not reality, and I think this here live a, very, a really nice people uh, with a really nice tradition and uh, culture, and my my assistant coach is arabic yeah. he coming from uh, jordan yeah. and uh, i think uh, here live the very nice people and i like to be here let's talk about your fight toughest test today eric
2: Molina is very experienced boxer uh, we spoke to him yesterday he did say that his experience would you know separate you and him in the ring what what have you got to say there why why do you think you win this fight
5: because i uh, wish the win uh, more, yeah. and uh, I think I'm better fighter. I think I'm in uh, better age, yeah. and he's. Uh, I'm not gonna uh, underest- How you underestimate. Say? Underestimate yeah. him, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I will be. I will be very aggressive, but at the same time I will be very careful yeah. because he's good uh, counter puncher. We have fast hands, and uh, but I'm I'm 100% in uh, I'm 100% sure in my preparation and my uh, boxing abilities. So uh, I think it will be a good fight. There's a lot of heavyweights on this card. It
2: is a majority heavyweight card. Say you come through this fight against Molina, you win, uh, outside the champions, so you've got the likes of Dylan White on the card, uh, Majidov on the card, who would you
5: like to fight next? What is your plan going into 2020? I would like to fight big names, all the big names. Right now, I'm not in position to challenge the world title, so I, I would like to fight guys like Derek Chizora Dylan White, Alexander Povetkin, Joseph Parker, Big Baby Miller he can take pets if if he want i allow him to fight with me on pets that's not problem for me and uh, i would like to fight all all big all big names i, I would like uh, when i beat someone that whole world can see it and uh, that's all all fighters wish for
2: Okay, and finally, we've got to talk about the main event. Anthony Joshua trying to reclaim his titles. Uh, as a heavyweight boxer yourself, you're in the best position to sort of see the fight out. How do you see this fight, the rematch playing out?
5: I see like uh, the loss was a good shake for Anthony Joshua head. And I think he got back to the routine what made him a champion and get back to the humble life to hard training and with the best performance of Anthony Joshua I I, I think uh, Andy Ruiz don't have chance. That's my opinion. Andy Ruiz uh, used his uh, his, uh, bad night and uh, Joshua was not good at that night. So I think with good performance he will beat uh, Andy Ruiz. That's my opinion. But we'll see on Saturday. Philip, you'll be at the press conference tomorrow. Michelle will be there, you can get your interview then, but
2: I appreciate your time, thank you.
6: Hey, Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go and do so by clicking the icon right here and hit the bell button so that every time we upload a new video, you get an alert so that you don't miss out.
7: This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. I'm delighted to be joined by the gorilla, John Ryder in London. John, first and foremost, before we get going, how are you?
3: I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for for coming.
7: Thank you for having me. Um, Lots to talk about, obviously. uh, First and foremost, it's been about 10 days, I think. Just under two weeks since your fight with Callum Smith. Have you managed to have a bit of downtime away from the
3: ring? I have. I don't know if you could really call it downtime. I've been um, a full-time parent, school runs, um, nappy changing, bottle feeds... So, um, yeah, it's normal life is uh, it's nice. It's, it's, it's resumed and it's, it's nice to be back home with family.
7: After everything that happened, which we'll come on to, and perhaps the, you know, the unjust scoring or whatever, is it nice to have that sort of distraction in a way to go back to family life and that normal routine just away from boxing completely?
3: Yeah, it is nice to switch off. I mean, the um, the storm on social media has been overwhelming and really supportive and really really helped get it through this time. But, um, yeah, other than that, it's nice to be... Back home, grounded with the family and just um, just getting better to routine.
7: Now, obviously, to go back to that night in Liverpool, I was there. Many felt it was a close fight. Uh, the media ringside, some had it to you by a point or two. Some had it to Callum by a point. Some had it a draw. I saw you after the fight, obviously dejected, um, as was Tony and the team. Could you just talk to me a bit about sort of what's been going through your head and how you've been feeling since the fight as well, like sort of processing everything that happened?
3: Well, initially, I've only just watched it back this morning before I come here. I mean, I'm fed up of doing interviews and saying, well, I haven't watched it back yet. And it, it kind of doesn't give myself a case for arguing that I won. But I've watched it back now. And listen, if I'm, if I'm being very critical of myself, I give it a draw. If I'm giving myself a few of the close rounds that I think I deserve, then I'm, I'm, I'm up by two or three. So I believe that I should be sat here as the, the number one SuperMidweight in the world. WBA super champion and and ring raising champion, but something went horribly wrong with him. Scorecards and none of them are even close to the, to how the fight was. They don't represent the fight at all.
7: Scorecards cause such controversy. You put it perfectly when you said it. A storm on social media when you know we always see the photos of the scorecards released released afterwards. All three judges, quite surprisingly to us, had it five one to Callum Smith after six rounds. Do you remember what Tony was telling you at the halfway stage, That was that completely different to what was reflected upon the cards?
3: Yeah, there was no, um, no real urgency to, to turn the fight round. I think the game plan was going exactly as we planned. First round, don't do nothing, just get your head movement going, wasn't even planning on throwing any shots the first round, but I, I was getting my distance that well that I, I threw a couple, threw, 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 threw a flurry and um, got off, got some success and listen I think even with that little flurry I can give myself the first round. And, That's how how close the fight was.
7: What was going through your mind waiting for the scorecard? There was a little bit of a a delay there, and then obviously 117, 111, 116, 112 times two. But but beforehand, the sort of waiting around, what was going through your mind? Did you think you'd done it? Was there a worry in the back of your head that you might be on the wrong end of a, a hometown decision, so to speak?
3: There's always the worry that you might be on the wrong end of a hometown decision, but listen, everyone around me, people that I trust and I've worked with for a long time, and people that wouldn't really give me any crap, they'd tell me the truth. They was all saying to me, no, this is, this is yours, and I knew deep down that I'd won the fight. You know when you've won, you have known you've lost, you know when you've done enough, you know when you haven't. And, and I knew deep down, heart hand on heart, that I'd done enough and I was the winner.
7: Just to go back um, to sort of during the fight, um, you mentioned in there you feel like in your heart you won. Did you feel comfortable in there and was there anything at all you that surprised you that Callum did or did it go pretty much exactly as you expected and what you prepared for as well?
3: It went exactly how Tony Sims told me it would. Um, We worked meticulously on a game plan, and everything he told me would happen in that fight happened, and went the way went the way we planned.
7: Um, We read sort of post-fight that Tony had been in contact with the WBA, trying to get in touch um, with the WBA to sort of have you reinstated as mandatory to try and get you back in line for a rematch. There was a lot of talk of the rematch, obviously post-fight after what we saw. Do you hold any hope for that at all? Um, do you feel like it's a possibility?
3: Um, I don't think that Dobe are going to force it. Um, if if Callum believes that's what he wants to do, then it might be a possibility. Um, I think Eddie's looking at something else for me, but we'll see what will be. Will be.
7: Now, as fans, um, you know we complain when we see scorecards like this uh, that, are, that are far too wide. Um, but then on the Monday after the fight, we go back to our jobs. Our life goes on and the outrage quite quickly disappears. But for the fighter, can you just explain to me from your perspective what it can do for a fighter to be on the wrong end of something like that? This is something you've worked your whole life for. This is your chance to win a world title. How does it affect sort of your life and your career as well?
3: I'm, I'm quite in a, in a fortunate position that it's not really done my career a massive, massive harm. I should be set here as the world champion. I should be going into a massive fight next. I'm not down to some terrible scoring on scorecards but um, I'm still in a, in a great position, I've still come out very credible, got a lot of credit from that fight and I believe my next fight will be a big fight and not too much of a backward step.
7: You mentioned the credibility you came out with there, your stock obviously did go up in the fight, a fight you're expected to lose in many people's minds, uh, I'm sure yourself and your team would say otherwise, that said, is that, is that a small consolation, I'm sure you'd rather have a world title sat here right now as you mentioned but you know, a lot of the fans have sort of rallied behind you um, after the fight and after the decision. Is that the, the small consolation that come out all of this that that your stock has risen going into future fights?
3: Yes, yeah, very, very small consolation. Do you know what I mean, I should have them, them titles on the on the mantelpiece at home, and I should be set here as a as a world champion. But listen, it, it is what it is, and in 2020, I'll put it right.
7: Now, just to talk about yourself, I spoke to you before the fight about you know, this, this different feeling at 168 and how you felt at the weight. Obviously, since you moved up from middleweight, we've been doing a lot of strength and conditioning work as well. You told me it's a bit of strength and conditioning, it's a bit of belief. I feel great at 168. Did you feel at your best in that fight at that weight as well? Do you feel fully sort of comfortable at 168?
3: Yeah, I believe so. I think you, you look at the performance, and he is the world number one and the third man of the division. and I've gone in there and I believe I've beat him. So, where does that hold me now?
7: Throughout your career, you've sort of been on the, the wrong end of a lot of close fights. Um, you know, there's many you can look back on that, that could have gone either way that you perhaps didn't get included in what we saw in Liverpool two weeks ago. Does it sort of, in a way, when you're on the wrong, wrong end of something like a particular world title fight, does it sort of make you fall out of love with the sport at all or, or make you think about things, perhaps?
3: Yeah, it, it does to an extent, but... The thing that keeps me in love with the sport is the training, the the people I train with, the coaches. Like, well, it's a great time. It's, I think I've got to a stage now where I need boxing in my life. I, I love it. I, I live for it. It's it's boxing and it's family. That, that's the two. It's, there's no juggling act. It's, it's boxing and family now. So it's um. I, I need boxing in my life, but it, it does make you question the sport and the and the dedication because there's time away from home. Delayed periods of not being at home, not, not spending time with your kids, your partner. And it's it's a shame at times and results like this uh, can can bring you down a bit. But on a whole, I believe boxing has been good to me and I do owe boxing a lot.
7: When we were talking about what you've been doing since the fight and you talked about going back on the school runs and just sort of spending a bit of time with family, you said there it's boxing and family. How big a motivation does does your family give you, like to, to sort of keep on going and to keep pursuing, you know, your world title ambitions and big money fight ambitions as well? Is that the key thing for you now about being sort of providing and sort of being motivated by your
3: family? Yeah, so I, I said I said boxing and family. Maybe I should say family and boxing because mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm putting boxing first. But um, yeah, now boxing, I love it. But yeah, it is, it is time to start securing a future for my for my partner and my kids and. I'm really looking to build the future for them.
7: Obviously early days, uh since the fight. Have you have you had any sort of contact with Eddie or has anyone around you had any contact with Eddie regarding what could be next? I know he, he told myself after the fight immediately we might look at the WBA regular, something like that. Have you have you heard what could be coming in the in the next calendar year?
3: No, I mean he said that to me straight after as well. Um and I've seen a lot of t- tweets about it, but I did also see a tweet that Eddie Renoso put out that Canelo hasn't vacated the WBA regular, so it's all up in the air. I don't think the left hand knows what the right hand's doing, so um, we'll just wait and see what's what. Is
7: there any preference on your part? Um, obviously, that, that Callum Smith rematch isn't a, a particular possibility. Is there anyone you're looking at, maybe like a Billy Joe Saunders rematch, or any of the names you look at on the 168 landscape and think you'd, you'd like to sort of share the ring with next year?
3: Any of them. I'm, I'm up for fighting all of them, whether it be Canelo, Billy Joe, Cameron Smith, Caleb Plant, Benavides, I'll, I'll fight any of them.
7: How's the response been for you in the last couple of weeks in terms of uh, the fans, in terms of your social media? Has has the response been overwhelming? Because from an outside perspective, as I mentioned earlier on, on, it looks like sort of everyone's rallied behind you in a way. How's the response been from your side?
3: It's been amazing. Initially, the first week, it's been overwhelming, the support. I mean, Twitter's one of them them places where you, you get a lot of stick before you get any credit, and honestly, the credit I've received on Twitter last week has been amazing, and I mean it's not only I've got into this week now and it's started to to bug me a bit. Our our amazing it's been because I'm sitting here with all this support online and I'm still sitting here without these belts by my side. So it's a bit of pill to swallow but the support I've had online has been been a nice um been a nice rebound to look back on and just see everyone's support and it's been it's been really nice.
7: One thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, John, um before I wrap this up. In the post fight press conference Tony was very sort of vocal about what could be done. It seems like every time there's a a fight where we we get questionable scorecards, we have this debate and then nothing happens. Uh, We saw in Italy a couple of months ago um, perhaps an alternative where they they sort of live announce the scorecards every four rounds. Tony suggested that could be something that helps prevent this kind of situation. Is that something you'd like to see implemented? Do you think that's a a good idea going forward? And if not, what else can be done?
3: Yeah, I think something needs to be done because I think it's happening too often and I think you see it in the Cheeseman fight, you've seen it in my fight now with Callum Smith and it will keep happening. You see um you see a bit of a dodgy scorecard with Kakachi the other day for the British title. Two judges went for him and the other one went the other way. But um yeah, I think I don't know if every four rounds because you can be, you could if you know you're behind you're gonna start chasing a fight and it could really spin a fight on his head, but maybe every two rounds give out the live scores and I think it could be um could be good for the sport and could be good for holding the judges more accountable.
7: As mentioned other than yourself, Tony was obviously devastated post-fight when we saw him. uh, Very passionate, very emotional in that press conference. What sort of words of encouragement or what has he said to you since the fight when you've spoken to
3: him? Just that I know what level I'm at now. I know what level I can compete at. Callum Smith is the world world number one. Um, I've gone in there and done that. So I'm up there. I I will get another big fight and there's not too much to be down about other than not coming away with the belts.
7: Just wanted to take the attention elsewhere, John. Um, Rob and Andy are currently out. My, my uh, colleagues are currently out in Saudi Arabia. Uh, looking forward to a huge heavyweight rematch between Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshi for the Unified Heavyweight Championship. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that fight and, in your opinion, how the fight plays out as well.
3: My thoughts are you got the bum deal because you're stuck here uh, in London uh, uh, and uh, not in uh, Saudi. But um, No, I believe AJ can turn it on his head and uh, be crowned world champion again. And Listen, it's what, what a legacy that will be. What, what it's, a, it's a stumble in the road but um, he'll come back and be world champion again What
7: do you think he has to do differently um, in comparison to the first fight obviously he, he had the knockdown early on Andy Ruiz came back fighting fire with fire and just sort of took over in the driver's seat what, what do you think Anthony must must do differently to approach this
3: fight Just be patient, just just use his attributes he's a bigger man, he's a stronger man he's a faster man Listen, don't play into Andy Ruiz's hands we, we see what he can do, he's a dangerous fighter Um, Just don't underestimate him, be patient, don't let your heart rule your head, just use your boxing brain, he's got a good boxing brain and he can come out victorious.
7: From Andy Ruiz's perspective, in a similar way to almost what we saw of yourself and Callum Smith, you know, pre-fight, everyone always cites the size as such an important factor, that size advantage. It was happening with yourself, people saying, well, he wasn't that big at 160, he's not that big at 168, and Callum Smith's a monster, it ended up almost playing into your hands in a way, like the way you close the distance. Andy Ruiz has got something similar with Anthony Joshua. From your perspective, how can it play into your perspective, being the smaller man in there in the ring?
3: So I think it's hard for the, for the taller fighters, sometimes they they got to crouch down and they got to stand in that position. There's a lot of strain on the legs. If you're not used to it, then it's um it's, it's a building process. You've got to get used to being in that crouch position. So I think AJ's, AJ's very athletic and he'll, he'll know what he's got to do. He'd have worked meticulously to, to get this game plan spot on for this fight. and I don't believe he left any stone unturned and, and will be champion again.
7: All right, well, John, um, I know you mentioned I've got the bum end of the deal, but it's been a pleasure to sit here in London with yourself while everyone else is out in Saudi Arabia. So I'm not going to take that, but thank you very much for making the time for Boxing Social. Best of luck with everything going in the new year. Thank you.
0: I wrote the following in my Facebook group last Friday, November 30th. I said, after much deliberating, I think the result will either be A.J. winning on points or Ruiz scoring a late stoppage between 9 and 12. Now, interestingly enough, the only other person I've come across in boxing whose prediction is along the same lines as mine is Vidal Riley. Because in this interview right here, he predicts that A.J. will get off to a good start. He'll be ahead on the scorecards. But ultimately, he'll start slowing down, perhaps with the assistance of Ruiz's body attack, and Ruiz will get him out of there in the eighth round this time, around later than he got him out first time. So, I agree with most of Vidal Riley's prediction, and he explains in greater detail in the video why he's predicting this. But what I'm unsure about is whether Ruiz will actually be able to get AJ out late. I'm expecting a late surge from Ruiz. I'm expecting him to maybe put AJ through hell in the final four rounds and for AJ to have to endure some torrid, torrid times, but I'm not sure whether Ruiz will actually be able to get him out I'm 50-50, you know, but let me explain more about my prediction. And first of all, tell you what I'm not expecting to happen here. I'm not expecting either man to win by knockout early. I'm not expecting Iberman to win by knockout within the first seven rounds. That's what I'm not expecting. Obviously, they've both got the power to put the other guy on the floor because they did it last time. But when I look at AJ's weight at the moment, because he looks a hell of a lot lighter this time than he was for the first fight, I have to assume he's going to move a lot. And therefore, he's not going to be looking to sit down on his shots and unload enough to be able to put shots together in, you know, mount a sustained attack, which would be damaging enough to either force a referee intervention or to drop Andy Ruiz multiple times and to knock him out. You know, he took that risk last time of standing and trying to throw heavy shots and getting Ruiz out of there. Is he gonna take the same risk this time? I suspect not, especially early in the fight. I don't think he's gonna take that risk and therefore I can't see AJ winning early. With Andy Ruiz, Again, he's got the power to hurt AJ. He's got the power to knock him out. He already did it. But with AJ moving more, that's what I'm expecting. Ruiz not having fast feet, I think he's going to struggle to pin AJ down. He's obviously got to try and invest in the body. I think he will with jabs to the body. And some people look at jabs to the body and think, oh, they can't do anything. But you'll be surprised with little 10-ounce gloves on. And some guys are more vulnerable to the body than others. AJ has always been a guy who looks vulnerable to the body as well as being vulnerable to the head. I mean, we saw in the Dylan White fight, the effects body shots had on him. We saw in the Colos Takam fight, he seemed uncomfortable under body attack. And of course we saw in the first Ruiz fight in the sixth round, the body attack seemed to take a hell of a lot out of him. So Ruiz's body attack, even if it's just jabs, is going to be crucial to slow AJ down enough for him to mount an attack late in the fight. Now, I think the fight will be won and lost between the ninth and the 12th. I think if this was a 10 round fight, I'd pick AJ all day or an eight rounder, AJ all day. But since it's a 12 round fight and I'm expecting a late onslaught from Ruiz, that's where I'm unsure. If I had to put my last 10 pounds and I had a gun to my head and I had to put 10 pounds on somebody, I would say Andy Ruiz comes from behind and stops Anthony Joshua in the last four rounds of the fight because it's better odds. (laughs) That's just from a betting perspective. If I had to bet, and again, just to put it out there like Richard Dwyer, the opinion you should follow should be your own, so nobody come back, back to me and have a go at me if you put money on Ruiz winning by stoppage in the final four rounds and it doesn't happen. Don't come back at me, that's a little disclaimer, okay? But from a betting perspective, I would say the odds are more favorable or the odds are just more enticing to pick Andy Ruiz by late stoppage. But if it's just a purely boxing pick with no money involved, no betting, i will probably go with AJ on points. Uh, I think he's going to have the favor of the referee and the judges. He might not need the favor of the referee and judges, but let's be real, <clears throat> even though he is not the champion, he's the challenger this time, he's still the A-side. He's still the person who's getting paid far more. He's still the cash cow. And as such, unfortunately in boxing, the officials tend to go with the money, whether it be Canelo Alvarez, the favoritism judges have shown him over the years, whether it be, I mean, even somebody like Deontay Wilder, who's not as big a cash cow as AJ or Canelo, but in that first Luis Ortiz fight, I mean, there was all kinds of weird stuff going on with the doctor intervening and the referee giving Deontay Wilder extra time to recover after he'd been hurt in the previous round. So... This is stuff we see often in boxing, unfortunately, and perhaps we'll see it again in this fight. Maybe we'll see controversy with the officials helping AJ out. So, yeah, I'm expecting AJ to be up, but in the final four rounds, he'll have to go for a torrid time, and it's 50-50 at that point. If you're going to bet, I would say go for a wee's late stoppage. Don't put much money on it, but that's the the bet I would go for, Uh, but just from a purely boxing perspective, I'd say AJ will manage to see the final bell and take you on points. So that's my prediction, people. Leave your predictions in the comment section below. I've seen some people, of course, say that AJ doesn't have as good a boxing skills as Andy Ruiz and Ruiz is gonna outbox him. Again, I've watched Andy Ruiz for many, many years, and he's never been defensively blessed. On the inside, when you're trading hooks with him, yeah, he can get underneath your punches and all that kind of stuff. But from the outside, Andy Ruiz has always been pretty vulnerable. We saw that in the first AJ fight and we've seen it throughout Andy Ruiz's career if you've been paying attention. Go and have a look at his fight against Tor Hamer. It's only a short fight. Don't just listen to me talking about it. Go and watch the fight and have a look at how many clean punches Andy Ruiz was caught with in the Tor Hamer fight. Of course, Tor Hamer quit on his stool at the end of the third or the fourth. But in the first few rounds, he was nailing Andy Ruiz on the way in constantly. And I think he actually got scared because he'd hit Andy Ruiz with all his best punches and Ruiz barely flinched. <laughs> I mean, his head was getting rocked back, Ruiz, but he wasn't being hurt by the shots, but he was still being caught, cool. And that's not good from a defensive perspective. So Ruiz has always been a guy who you can tag fairly easily when he's coming in because he doesn't move his head that much. His feet are not particularly fast. Uh, He doesn't, you know, tend to stutter his attacks in order to draw a lead first before he attacks you. Occasionally he'll do it, but a lot of the time he doesn't. He'll just walk straight in and it does leave him vulnerable to getting caught. So again, if you look at the first fight with AJ, go and have a look at the first and second round, the second in particular, and try and tell me that Ruiz's boxing skills at long range were superior. They weren't. AJ was the one landing all the big power shots, he was countering Ruiz over his jab, he was hitting Ruiz with lead left hooks, I mean he was landing solid jabs on Ruiz, he was hitting him with one, walking him onto one twos, he was the one landing all the big shots in that second round and even in the third round he managed to get that big left hook off, that was no fluke, that was a planned move by AJ, that was a move he'd actually tried, I think in the first round he tried that move, but he couldn't quite get the angle he wanted. In the third round, he tried it again. He came on the inside, got his lead foot in between Andy Ruiz's two feet, kind of nudged Ruiz off balance and then let go with a combination which dropped him. So, you know, from what I saw, and even in the fifth round when AJ was still concussed, you could see his legs were not right in the fifth round. There was a moment in that fifth where he went to Ruiz's body with a left first, then a right. Then he came up top with another left hook which sent spray flying everywhere, AJ was landing the quality shots from long range. Ruiz, of course, up close and at mid range, very, very dangerous. And that's where he wanted to fight. But at long range, AJ's got the best skills at long range. There's just absolutely no doubt about it. I don't know where people are getting this notion from that Ruiz is the better long range boxer of the two. You know, strange to me. But hey, Uh, Maybe Ruiz is going to improve in the rematch. Maybe he's going to come out early and put a lot more pressure on AJ than he did first time around. I mean, that comes with risk, of course, because as I've said, Ruiz does tend to walk into shots and being as heavy as he is, it's more difficult for him to move quickly, set himself quickly and get punches off because he's so heavy. If he was like, you know, a a short lighter guy, like a Mike Tyson, yeah, he'd be able to move quickly, set himself and get shots off. But I think it takes longer for Ruiz to move fast, set himself and then throw heavy. If you get what I'm saying? And, and, And because of that, he might come in off balance if he tries to pressure AJ really quickly early in the fight. And being off balance, he's liable to get hit with counters. You know, certainly at least jabs. I think we're going to see a lot more of the AJ jab in this fight. And not just using the jab to draw a lead, but actually trying to inflict damage on Ruiz with the jab. I think we're going to see more of that. Um, but yeah, it's still a fight which you could say is 50-50. Ruiz won first time around. So logically speaking, it's perfectly understandable that everybody, or, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are picking Ruiz. Perfectly understandable because he won first time around. So why can't he win second time around? But yeah, I, I think with the adjustments made and what I saw in the first fight, it's equally possible that AJ could just outbox him and get a decision. I think that's equally possible as Ruiz repeating a stoppage victory. So we'll see. Again, just to clarify, if it was uh my last £10 and I had to bet, I'd probably put it on Ruiz late stoppage between 9 and 12. But if it's just a purely boxing pick with no money involved, I'd probably say... AJ might be able to see the 12th round and take it on points. So, yeah, that's my prediction, people. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. We'll find out on Saturday exactly what's going to happen. According to Eddie Hearn, the first bell will be around 9 p.m. UK time, so that's great timing. So, yeah, we'll find out then exactly what's going to happen and who's right and who's wrong. May the best man win. Yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below What's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon, I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just three dollars a month, the equivalent of about two pounds a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the patreon app from the google play store or the app store for free the patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in mp3 for less than the price of a cup of coffee you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content it's easy to sign up there's no contract and you can cancel at any time so come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on patreon today Star Promotions is proud to present Floyd Money Mayweather. The man himself is coming to the UK for his UK tour. February and March 2020 for all info and tickets, gold star promotions. But okay.
1: Big boys get moving fast. you get a lot of knockouts. Ultimate boxer heavyweight. He's just going to be swinging bombs
3: from the ceiling. around of our house. This
2: is Ultimate Boxer. Finally right, back on behind the gloves with another interview. I am joined by the one and only Dave Corwell in Saudi. How are you feeling? Good Yes,
1: yeah, man. It's a bit surreal, isn't it? Yeah, surreal.
2: I can't believe this is actually happening. Like, I was on the plane, I was thinking, what is
1: going on here? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's not your usual boxing venue, is it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got here at uh, 7 AM this morning. Yeah. A little bit tired, that's why shades are on. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's it's a, it's a buzz now, right? do you know what I mean? We've got, we've got the open workouts now, everybody's buzzing. There's so many faces here that, that you know, they've all made the trip. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's no, it's mad, yeah. Trip. And I've heard, I've heard about some of the names that are coming on Saturday. It's like, wow! Do you think there'll be a lot of British fans
2: travelling? You know how they go over to Vegas and whatnot. Do you think there'll be a lot coming over t- to Saudi? Uh,
1: do you know what? I don't know, because... Um, I think, yeah, there'll be an element, but I think a lot of people I for one, I heard a lot of stories about oh, getting into the place and things Oh, it's, 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 it's a bit dodgy getting in, you, you know, there's a lot of worry, a lot of talk, it was cool hours to get in, it was just like coming in anywhere, in fact, it was quieter, it was quieter to get in and, and you were very polite, you know, when you taking your fingerprints and all that sort of stuff and fine. Has there been anything that surprised you? I know you've been only here for a few hours. Anything that surprised yeah, I've you? I've actually been in a few hours. Yeah. I've not had time to be, yeah. to be surprised. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that it's not warmer than what I thought it was going to be. That's yeah, me. Yeah. It's dropping and I'm in a t shirt. I'm freezing and I wish I'd have brought a hoodie or something for. Uh, Free- in another hour or so, I'm going to be freezing.
2: Freezing inside. You wouldn't think of that one. Anyway, your fighter, Hopi Price, is making his second appearance in on this card. First of all, i mean to get sort of chosen to say okay you can fight in this card must give him a lot of confidence
1: yeah definitely it, you know
7: eddie's
1: not eddie's not very sentimental when it comes to things like that he's you know he wants to put
7: people that's gonna
1: strengthen the brand or, or people that he's got he's got uh, time for and, and got confidence in and you know for Mr Bills to get Hope Price on the bill um, it's brilliant it really is because he's, he's scheduled to fight December 19th and then Eddie says look does he want to you know <laughs> I'm thinking about putting Hopi Price on, an, um, on the AJ bill yeah do it yeah. do it yeah done what was his reaction when he found out <laughs> <laughs> I think you thought I was joking at first. Yeah. No, it was it was buzzing. It really was, it was really exciting. But you know what? He takes everything in his stride. He's a really good kid. He's a really nice kid. But he's he's very very switched on mentally. Um he's 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 excited. He's not giddy about it. He's, he's very. He knows he has to do a job, and knows that a ring's a ring. A, a bottom line, a ring's a ring, and he's got to go in there. And he's got to. He's got to perform. Um, so yeah, he's excited. But
2: following with what you just said, he is young, so he's got a lot to learn. Not just in the ring, but in life. Um, so when he does get into this situation, maybe he'd want to show a bit more of his skills. How do you ground a young fighter like that?
1: Do you know what he's? Um, He's already very grounded. His, his dad's done a great job on him, bringing him up. He's, 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 he's very, very grounded. Um, he takes everything in his stride, and he listens and he does what he's told. He did on his debut. You yeah. know, his debut, we could have gone a little bit, you know, kind of gone a little bit nuts because, you know, his, his first his debut matchroom, this, this, this. But he didn't. He went in there and, and, and it was very, very switched on, listened to everything, and he, and he looked good. Yeah. Um, when I took him sparring in LA and uh, people that he sparred with him. He's listened, he's done everything step by step I've asked him to. And I just expect the same, I expect the same here tonight, uh, on Saturday night. It's not just because the occasion's big.
2: Okay, we're gonna pick it back up. we just moved away from the ring. Uh, Dave, carry on.
1: Yeah, so he's very, very grounded. So he takes things in his stride, and step by step as, I, as I'm telling, giving him instructions. Yeah. And there's one thing that me and, one thing that I believe in, and, and when we, we, you know, we, I've spoke with Belly quite a lot about young fighters and, and prospects and things, in order to be able to win titles over 12 rounds, you need to be able to follow instructions and you need to be, able to be disciplined. So this is a massive occasion for him and, and a massive opportunity for him to box on the undercard of, 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 this, of this massive fight. But ultimately, it's about progressing to where he wants to be, becoming a world champion, becoming an established name and a big name fighter. Well, this is part of that journey and each time he steps into that ring he has to learn, he has to he has to yeah. he, he has to do what he's told, he has to be disciplined and he has to gather that experience. So he can't lose his head and go in there like a madman yeah. just because it's you know, because the occasion. Um, so he's got the kind of mentality where, where I believe that it will be grounded, he will go in there and do what I ask him to do. Um, and he's not in against a stiff, you know, he's he's got a he's got a real fight. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's they're the kind of fights that he's gonna learn from.
2: Most definitely, we're excited to see him on the undercard. Let's go on to the big main event. We spoke about it last week, but let's uh, let's let's we have to talk about it again. We're here now, it's exciting. A lot of people have been saying that Andy could possibly be getting caught up in his limelight and in the fruits of his success. We've seen him in the Rolls Royce, we've seen him by the big house,
1: the parties. You know what? I, people always say about this, but, do you know if you come into Monet, yeah. You're gonna buy the nicer things in life. You're not gonna keep. You're not gonna keep driving the same car that you had before. Yeah. You're not gonna live in the same house that you had before when you was when you had no money. It's just. It's. Just, it's like. You start. You start. Spending money on nicer clothes. On. On. on you buy better quality food because you've got the means to do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. You then all of a sudden you're just not gonna work anymore. You, you, some people can be like that. We saw it at Buster Douglas, yep. and that's the thing. But I think that's what people are looking for um, as excuses already. Oh, he could, he could, yeah, he's, he's taking his eye off the ball, he's doing this, he's doing that. But he's bought a nice house, he's bought his mum a nice house, yep. he's got a nice car, so what? So what? It doesn't mean that he's not going into the gym every day.
2: Let's talk about the other camp in this fight, obviously the Brit, AJ. There were some words coming out of his camp saying that he was dropping sparring partners and sending them home within a week. Could you think that could be a tactic? Because obviously the last time around there was talks about him getting dropped in sparring.
1: Sparring, sparring. Whether it, whether it's uh, whether it's true or not, it makes no difference really. Because sparring, sparring. He um, might have dropped sparring partners. I've seen it in my gym fighters. Dropping sparring partners and looking great in the gym, and then go out and get beat—it doesn't make any difference. Um, it's just another, just another talking point for a, for a big event. That's all it is.
2: Okay, and uh, finally, just want to take your thoughts on the other man in this heavyweight division who was losing every
1: round in his last fight, and then decided to, you know, throw that right hand. It, it, it just—it generally doesn't matter. What was your reaction I, to the I thought, fight? I, I put a tweet out about wilder um he can he has got the kind of power where you can be winning every minute every second of every round while ever he's on his feet he can switch your lights out split second lose your concentration give him that one little gap boom he takes it you're gone that's what he did that's what he did it's irrelevant that he was losing every round because he won if he was losing every round and then never caught, never caught up with him, then yeah, that is a big, big talk, it, it's a big thing. It's irrelevant. He got, he was getting out of box. We've seen him get out of box before, and then he knocked him out, and we see that again. He, he can punch, mate.
2: Do you think there's anyone in the division that can beat him?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, he's beatable. he's not unbeatable. 41, 42, and 40 knockouts. But it can knock you out yeah. if you, if you can get in there, and if you don't get nailed with his best shot yeah, really for 12 rounds, yeah. then you can beat him. Yeah, yeah. Because he can be out of box, yeah. there's no yeah. doubt about it. He's tougher than what he's given credit for. Yeah, Listen, pe- people think because he's, because he gets shook up a little bit, they think, oh, he's, he's chin out, you've only yeah, got to do yeah, is yeah. get get him to yeah. chin. No, I remember watching him spar with David A. Mate, he was getting sh- rocketed with big bombs off of A. And he just takes like, yeah, good shot, good shot, and come back firing again. He's tough, he's yeah. tough. When you get away a big shot, and especially in heavyweight boxing, you can have a reaction, mm. but he's tough enough; he like, comes through it. So, he's going to take somebody that, that can really punch, or can can punch hard consistently, to beat him. But all the while, you've got to you've got to avoid getting it because, like I said, it's like with Fury. Fury, for me, can out-box him all night long, can out-box him all night long. But the same question remains: it's what I what I thought for the first fight. Fury can outbox him, but when he gets hit, he's gonna, get, he's gonna get done. He got up, I thought Fury won it, he just didn't get it. But in the rematch, the same thing can happen again. Fury could be, could be winning every second, every round, and then get dropped. And and next time, he, could, he might not get up.
2: Say if AJ comes through this fight, yeah. say if Wilder comes through yeah. the Fury fight, yeah. and somehow on earth we get that fight made, yeah. who would you pick as your favorite to win that fight?
1: I ain't got a fucking clue. Yeah. yeah, because right now, because we're talking about right now. If you're if you're judging AJ right now, you're judging him on his last fight when he got when he's when he's being smashed up. Yeah. So, in your mind you would have to say, well, oh, if, if Andy Ruiz can can knock AJ out, can drop him multiple times, Deontay Wilder's gonna wipe him out. Well, Deontay Wilder can wipe anybody out, regardless of what your chin's like against anybody else. Can wipe anybody out. But the same thing is, is AJ has got he's got a skill set and he's got a certain style of boxing that can give Wilder problems, and AJ can punch as well. So
7: it's
1: a it's a fifty-fifty fight. I, I let's, listen. Let's see how, how AJ looks on Saturday night, and then you're looking at looking at. <coughs> Wilder's last fight, you're looking at AJ's last fight, and then you see, then, then you decide, oh, well, okay, I actually think he's going to win. But really, it's not about the last fights. It's, it's about what they do when when they come head to head against each other. Because you can look a certain way against this man, and look completely different against this man. So that's, that's boxing. That's what makes boxing so good, because, you know, we all have opinions, but until the bell goes, nobody actually really, really knows.
2: Most definitely. Well, pleasure speaking to you as always. I hope you enjoy your stay and I'll probably catch up with you uh, later in the week.
1: Nice one, man. Cheers.
6: Hey Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go and do so by clicking the icon right here and hit the bell button so that every time we upload a new video, you get an alert so that you don't miss
8: out.
4: Tunde, how are you?
8: Right, let me just check my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> how
4: are you doing, Chris? I'm doing very well. I- I here's a new member of the family.
8: Yeah, I'm very happy for Anthony. His sister, Daniel, just had a, a young girl. So, uh, literally, he was on the way to the gym and I just got a text saying that, um, you know, Daniel's just giving birth to a young baby girl. So, happy for him.
4: Absolutely. I mean, we were supposed to be talking to him today, but I think that's slightly more important than us.
8: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Family comes first, always. So, um, yeah, I'm sure. He's still going to train tonight, though. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you say? You know, it's, yeah, for Anthony, I know it's a very special moment because it's his baby sister. She, Danielle means a lot to him. She's She's been there for every fight, you know, and they got a great relationship. So, um, yeah, very happy for him.
4: Yeah, she was out in Russia,
8: wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan was screaming her head off <laughs> as normal. Um, but I'm, even me, I'm standing here talking to you, and I'm so happy. I feel the happiness is it's, it's coming out of me. So, um yeah, you know this is a—it's a family. I've said it before. You know, the whole team, myself and Anthony, Dan, his mother. Like, we're just—we're just, we're just a, a close-knit family. And, and when things like this happen, it, it, it's great for all of us.
4: Well, I know he calls you unks, and now he's an unk himself. Yeah, I, I just—oh my
8: <laughs> god! You must be—you're you, reading my mind. I literally just said that. I, said, I just said to him, boy, that's it. you uncle, and so." get your checkbook out <laughs> and he
4: said me or you so i just started laughing all right i said we'll, we'll see we'll see so um yeah great so you said he's back training tonight how long has he been back in the gym now
8: oh he's been he literally you know obviously after the august 24 fight um he had a good rest and I, I, it's something that I, I wanted him to be because you know i said it on camera and i said it before before the longest Anthony's ever had outside the gym since he started training with me, which was 18 months before he turned professional. So he turned pro in 2015. Has been one week. So after that fight, you know, a, a, a great experience. He took a he had a lot of holidays, <laughs> ate a lot of food, and uh, but he's been back now. He's been back a little while now. You know, he's, it's just that maybe because we've been coming in at different times, people haven't seen him. But he's he's back training. He was sharp. On last Saturday, he's sharp. He's he's. He said it after the fact. You know, what are you gonna do now? He said, train harder. And that's that's what that's the mindset.
4: As yeah. um, the break done him good, though, is he like reinvigorated? Oh, man, he even
8: looks different to me. You know, because I think sometimes, you know, because of our ethos in training, because of our work ethic. You know, both myself and Anthony are are workaholics. So even for me, it was weird. You know, I ended up taking Bilal and De Reese and everyone on the pads and that's something everyone knows. Since 2016, I haven't even padded anyone but Anthony. So it was weird for me, um, but I enjoyed a little rest, but now Tunnel Vision and a AY
4: and the TA show. <laughs> and expecting a big 2020 from him? I'm, I'm not expecting him to jump straight into a world title fight, but... We're ready. <laughs>
8: We're ready. No ducking, no dodging. If the opportunity is presented to us and the money's right, <laughs> um, we're just here to, you know, fulfil our dreams. Yeah. We, you know, so, uh, most people never fulfil fulfil their dreams because they're scared to take that chance. And I think that the both of us, the whole team, proved that we're willing to take a risk. You know, because life's too short to not take a risk. And. Uh, If the fight, what I'm hearing about, Mr. Gingerman can materialise. Frank Warren is the man, BT Sports is the channel, and it's the AYMTA show with Turn Up, Show Up, Blow Up.
4: Gingerman, you mean Canelo? Oh,
8: yeah. Oh, yeah. I predicted it years ago. You only need to go and look at my Instagram. It will happen. And, uh, you know, Canelo was nowhere near the light heavyweight division at the time. And um, I said, this fight is going to happen. You know, I got the picture, it's on my social media. I think Anthony posted it today of when him and Canelo took the picture. And it's very reminiscent of when Canelo had the picture of him and Kovalev back in the day. And they ended up fighting. So, serendipity, (laughs) that's a good word, isn't it? Um, Stars aligning. call it what you want. But if the opportunity does arise, you know, Canelo is the, is the man. He's a great champion and uh, the number one, in my opinion, pound for pound boxer in the world. But what what it would be for two men? I was I'm almost, I almost said young man, referring to myself, but I'm not that young no more. Um, Live that dream, be fantastic, and uh, as I say, Frank Warren's the man. And if if he can deliver, we'll be there. Don't worry about that.
4: So, what would he need to do differently against Kovalev? Because, I mean, let's be honest, not many people. Not me yeah, yet. No, what would he need to do different? Sorry, that he didn't do against Kovalev. So, what would he need to do different from last time out?
8: Well, I think everyone, you know, you asked me, you know, and, and, and many people asked me after the Kovalev fight, what we're going to change. And I said, we ain't changing nothing. What people have to remember is that it's an experience. You know, you can't buy, borrow, or pretend to have experience. And, um,. For myself and Anthony, we knew that we was, you know, we literally was going into the lion's then. But it's something that if we didn't do it, we would never be here to talk about it. So are we going to change our training regime? No, absolutely not. We make a few tweaks. That's just ov- obvious. You know, um, are we going to spar? No. <laughs> I'm his best sparring partner. You know, um, but the thing is, is that we took everything Kovalev had left. And if you look at the Canelo Alvarez and Kovalev fight, Kovalev, in a lot of people's eyes, was ahead, and um, until the knockout, you know. So, two different fighters, two different styles. Styles make fights, and uh, what a matchup it would be. A young man like Anthony, who now got that experience from the Russian, the Russian experience, which again let me my, let me add that no fighter that I can remember has ever taken such a leap. That's something that's with us. No fighters can claim that they went into the mighty Russian peninsula <laughs> and gained an experience. So for us, a young team, we've got that under our belts. So we just need to keep doing what we're doing. You know, practice makes perfect. And you just keep on doing what we're doing, keep on perfecting our art and uh, just wait for the big one to come.
4: I'll just finish up in a minute. I know you've got to go, but um, Kovalev himself, I saw him in one interview, said that he, he didn't think that he was going to win against Canelo. <laughs> I don't, know how
8: true I don't say know. nothing bad about no fighters. No. Um, Sergei Kovalev has a great career, but he knows he wasn't adequately prepared. Not after a brutal fight as a one and you know I heard him prior to the fight say Anthony Yard didn't do no damage to me. Well he obviously did because after the fight you said that was too soon for you to fight but he's got a family to feed you know and uh, it's a lot of money to turn down and uh, he's in the final stages of his career so you can it's, it's excuses, excuses, excuses. He's a great fighter, Sergei Kovalev and it was a pleasure for us to share the ring with him
4: um, but we move forward. Okay, and final question. 2020, can that be the year that Anthony Yard finally becomes World Champ?
8: And the new. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you're going to hear 2020. I ain't saying it could be a different bill. But Anthony Yard, in my opinion, will be a World Champion in 2020. And I, it's been a fantastic journey. We are the A side. <laughs> I keep telling everybody AY and the TA. When we're not. Listen, that's why everybody wants us to come back. Because yeah. there's no excitement. Unless we're gracing the BT Sports screens, <laughs> we are the men. Ay and the TA. So let's let's get ready for a fantastic 2020, and um, I hope to have many great interviews with my man Chris. <laughs> I look forward to it, mate.
6: This is Coogan Cassius for <laughs> IFL TV in association with MTK Global. We're in Saudi Arabia ahead of Ruiz Joshua II. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Philip Hergovic. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. You look very serious today, Philip. Are you OK? <laughs> yeah, I'm OK.
5: Good.
6: Um, how are you feeling with your, your fight with uh, Eric Molina this week? Can you repeat? How are you feeling about your fight with Eric Molina this week?
5: I feel very good. I had a very, very good camp, 12 weeks of camp in Miami with Pedro Diaz. I trained like never before and I feel very good. This is my biggest fight of my career so far. And uh, I feel very good. I'm looking forward to Saturday night.
6: Melina has been in the ring with the likes of Deontay Wilder and Joshua. What kind of Molina do you expect to see in the ring on Saturday?
5: I am preparing for the best version of Molina and uh, I expecting hard fight for me. It's my only 10th fight and he have almost 40 fights and he's very experienced, he challenged world title two time. And I expecting hard fight and best version of uh, Molina.
6: I said from all the up-and-coming heavyweights the, around, kind of the amount of fights you've had, people talk about you as the one to watch over the next year. Why is that?
5: Because I'm the best, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, man. I just uh, do my job. I'm 100% uh, focused on my job. I had a very good and long amateur career. And I think I can compete with everyone in the world. And if I put my good performance, I think I can beat everyone in the world. And uh, looking really, really hard. I think no heavyweight in the world train like me, Leaving the ring and, I'm and wait uh, I, 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 I just is up right can't now. wait to fight the biggest Once name again, in the, division. Do you, you the division. division.
6: Do you believe that you are ready for the guys like Wilder, Fury, with Joshua, with Joshua Ruiz now today? And are now you now ready for those guys, guys road, now, surely?
0: I feel I feel ready
5: for everyone in the division.
0: I spar he with a lot of a, champions a,
5: and uh, the best in the world. And, and, and I know I can
0: compete with everyone ring, and I can and just, I can beat everyone Magido. if I put my
5: good performance and Magido. I'm looking forward to the biggest fights.
6: How long before we then realistically see you in the ring with those guys because you've had not that many fights as a professional at heavyweight so how long before you are having those kind of fights
5: yeah i think i need a few more big fights with the guys like molina like uh, maybe derek chisora joseph parker alexander povetkin all these big names who are let's say one level uh, down from the, from the Deontay Wilder, Joshua and Andy Ruiz. And I think I need a few more big fights with these kind of names. And that will make me ready for the biggest biggest name in the division.
6: What is your pick for the main event this weekend between Joshua and Ruiz, Phillips?
5: I think Joshua will win. I think uh, last time he was not himself. He was uh, under too big pressure, he was uh, relaxed because of the way of the life. He made such a a big money and a lot of fame and I think it relaxed him. And now this uh, lost, I think, uh, shake him. And I think he will show that he's a great champion on Saturday night, and then he will win, for sure. That's my opinion. Where
6: did your name come from, El Animal? Where did that come from? Who gave you the name? Who gave you your name, El Animal? Uh,
5: Pedro Diaz, when I arrived in Miami in first camp, when he saw my uh, working ethic and my, Physical condition he started to call me animal and that became my uh, nickname official
6: That's my nickname as well. They call me animal as well.
5: Really for what?
6: Uh, eating. (laughs) Okay,
5: everyone need to be animal in uh, his job Anyone need to be animal it's not something bad, it's it's positive. People maybe see it in a wrong way, but we need to be animals in, in, in good things.
6: I agree, I agree. I am an animal in the recording world, yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: You need to be animal in, re- in recording. I need to be animal in, in uh, training. You need to be animal in matchmaking. You need to be animal in the midst. And that's it. We all need to be animals. I like that. I spoke to Kala Sauland earlier
6: and he said that make sure... we he needs le- to be animal in uh,
5: promoting me. <laughs> he's an animal in promoting, yeah.
6: yeah. Yeah, he's
5: very good. He's very good. Okay,
6: Philip, thank you very much for your time. Best of luck on Saturday and hopefully we'll talk to you again this week.
5: Thank you very much and see you soon.
3: He is special. Absolute dynamite. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you What we do is down.